Hello friends, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Heading Talk. And boy, do we have a strong episode for you today. Uh, Sunshine really bared it all on this episode. And so uh, please give it a listen. And I hope that it can give you a new perspective about life in general. Give us a rating on Apple Podcasts and go like our Instagram page at Hedim Talk to let us know what you think and keep up to date. Listen in and enjoy. Welcome to the the podcast, this little teeny tiny podcast. Um, today we have Sunshine Yang. I know Sunshine from uh, from our journey towards getting our MFAs in film and media arts from the prestigious American University. Yeah. <laughs> They're going to love this one. So her mm-hmm. most uh, recent film is called I Am a Banana, and it's about culture, and it's about um, being uh, having multiple identities, which we kind of talked about in a previous episode. And so... Um, Sunshine is just an amazing, amazing person, and she is here to tell us, uh, to tell us uh, a bit of stories from her life that uh, yeah. pertain to what it means to be um, one of a kind. And first and foremost, um, a lot of people have asked me this before: Is Sunshine mm-hmm. your real name? <laughs> You know, you're not the you're not the only person I get that <laughs> no. every every single time that, that mm-hmm. they ask me my name. Yes, my name is Sunshine. It's my real name. Mm-hmm. My parents. It's on my birth certificate. <laughs> uh, I and I did I did ask my parents why they chose that name, uh-huh. and my dad actually chose that name. He said that he wanted something that's unique and happy, bright, positive, and different. And he thought of the name Sunshine. And actually, I I looked it up, and there's a few Sunshines that exist currently on this planet Earth. So I'm not the only one. And I have met one other person named Sunshine. She was a a black African-American woman working at my university Starbucks at mm-hmm. East Carolina University. It was a I think it was my my senior year. Um so I was probably around like 21, 22 at that time. So it did take me a good 20 years to meet her. Um and and I I do wonder when I'll meet another sunshine because it's it's so mm-hmm. weird have being the only sunshine in my in my world <laughs> and it's just it's just so weird not having another sunshine because I, I never know what that's like, you know? Because if, if I hear the name or the word sunshine, I just automatically, like, snap my head to them. You know, like, I'm expecting them to say something to me. Um, yeah. But, yeah. So my dad chose that, um, and I think he chose that because he wanted, um, f- for him, um, names are a big symbolism in his life. He came here as a refugee after the Vietnam War, um, and his name, he has a Hmong name, but he changed his name to Richard, um, 
after a couple of years here living in the United States because he wanted something that the Americans can pronounce and he also wanted something that um, is bold I guess you could say but also like close to his name too mm-hmm. and then I have three other brothers who have very very well sort of basic names so it's me and then it's my Irish twin brother Sonny and then my other two younger brothers are just Alvin and Leo, which is very, very mm-hmm. basic. But And I so tell me tell me a little bit about your family then. <clears throat> my family, so my dad is Hmong, but he he was born in Laos. Um, and then my mom is also Hmong, but she is born in China. So I have a lot of I guess you could say a lot of like different um, mix of Asian cultures mm-hmm. under the the big umbrella of Asian cultures, right? Just because, like for example, like my my cousins, they all they all have the same umbrella, the same culture. But for me, because my mom's from China, my dad's from Laos, my my dad has a little bit of like Thai culture in there. He also has a little bit of French culture in there. Uh, because the French, you know, owned Laos at some point in history. Mm-hmm. I don't really know the history of that, but I do know that growing up, my dad, instead of learning English, he had to learn French. Mm-hmm. And then he also, he knows a little bit of Vietnamese, he knows Hmong, he knows a little bit of, of Laos, and then he also knows a little a little bit of Thai after um, living a year in Thailand in boot camp. Um, refugee camps before he came to the United States and then for my mom my mom is she's I mean like until the age of like 16 when she married my dad she has Chinese cultures right Mm -hmm. so I have a lot of like Chinese Hmong Thai Lao um, Vietnamese I have all of those different Asian cultures in in my family whenever I go home Mm -hmm. and then to top it all off um when my parents married they settled down in the south of the United States so I grew up in a very I guess you could say conservative um area where I'm from so Mm -hmm. I grew up I grew up with those many many different Asian cultures but I also grew up very southern and I didn't have any that I didn't have that many Asian faces in my schools growing up. Mm-hmm. I, the only other Hmong person that I ever met in school was this other Hmong person who is a distant, distant, distant relative of ours. Mm-hmm. Um, so besides him, and the thing is, I, I only met him like halfway through high school, but all throughout elementary school, middle school, it was just me and my brother. We were yeah. the only Hmong family in that part of town. Um, oh. So I grew up very, very, I would say very whitewashed. Mm-hmm. I was basically, I was a basic white girl. <laughs> I just, I'm just going to admit mm-hmm. it. And that's, that's the reason why yeah. my mom calls me a banana sometimes. Because mm-hmm. I'm yellow in the outside and white on the inside. And I, I will admit that I, yeah. I didn't... I didn't even really accept and embrace my culture mm-hmm. until I moved to DC. And that was only what, like three years ago. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. And I will admit that I was ashamed of my cultures, and that's probably one of the reasons why I never really, I don't, I, and I still don't know much about my own history and my mm. own and my own culture because mm. I was ashamed of it. I kept it hidden so many years, mm. um, just because I I saw myself as a white person because yeah. all I could see at school and in grocery stores and whatever was only white faces and a few African Americans here and there, a few Hispanics here and there. It was one of the film classes um, that you and I had to take at American mm-hmm. University. I was 23 years old and I was um, just thrown into this project of self-identity. I was sitting in this classroom and, and I looked around and it just hit me that mm-hmm. I was the only Asian person in this entire mm-hmm. classroom. And I was like, I'm pretty sure, I'm, no, I'm positive that this is not the first time that I've ever yeah. been in a classroom where I'm the very first Asian to be in that class. But it took me 20, 22, 23 years to realize yeah. that fact. Yeah. And that... And what's so shocking about that is because I don't know if I accepted the fact that I was Asian or that I looked different, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, I I always knew that I was was Asian, but I I saw myself as a white person. I Mm -hmm. saw myself as everyone Mm -hmm. else. I never saw myself as, you know, Asian-American. I was always just American. But then mm-hmm. I, but then I was also discriminated against for being Asian. So oh, I wow. think, and and even now to this day, I still struggle with: Am I? I I know that I'm Asian American, but am mm-hmm. I more Asian or am I more American? And mm-hmm. I and I I think that a lot of people when they look at asian people they just mm-hmm. automatically see asian they don't yes. see asian american um mm-hmm. and i do i do like my heart does ache whenever i don't go home or whenever i don't eat a bowl of foot you know like yeah. i <laughs> so i i will always be asian yeah. american yeah. it's just i i struggle with going you know I guess leaning towards more Asian or more American and I think I think at the end of the day I do think that that just depends on who I who I'm with you know exactly and I think I think that's so important to 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 think about is that there's um the community that you associate yourself with if that Mm -hmm. community uh really helps you push yourself into discovering what your roots are and being proud of what your roots are no matter how um, I'm putting air quotes here no matter how different you might seem to the majority that are in the room I think that because you probably grew up in a predominantly white uh, southern Uh, atmosphere there wasn't a lot of um, there was just a lot of tolerance of your roots and not necessarily uh, nurturing and um, acceptance and also pushing you to explore more of your heritage and your roots and that's honestly um, that has to do not only with the small community that you grew up with but 
it's all it help it also has to do with representation um mm-hmm. you didn't see yeah. yourself in the media that you consumed growing up and that's that in itself made you associate with people who did not necessarily look like you but in deep down you you believed that you are them because you didn't see anybody who looked like you on screen so if that's the only option then that's the only option you'll associate with it's exactly it's really um it really depends on how like how you grew up and where you grew up and so that has led you um it's so powerful to hear that it took you 23 years to realize that hey i'm 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 the only agent in the room. And I think that um, it really, like when I came to the US, I came in 2012 when I started my undergrad in the US, uh, I had grown up my entire time in Saudi, but I always consumed American media and American literature. And so I had to learn English. I was one of the best English students in the class. And I I was just so fascinated with the American culture, the American music. I didn't listen to a lot of Arabic music like my, my classmates did. And so I was always the odd one out because I was too, again, putting this in air quotes, too Americanized. Uh, and then so when I went to the U.S., I saw myself like, oh, my God, this is the culture that I've always like I've always liked and I've always adored. And I, I really I, I love it and I, I want to explore it even more. But then you get you get that um, bucket of cold water when you realize that you you are in the room and you have so much in common with the people in the room but everybody else that are in the room are the majority and you are the minority because you look a certain way um when i went to catholic i was most of the times i was one of the only people who are well arab uh, second of all uh, brown and then third of all muslim so i was like triple minority. I I mm-hmm. didn't realize that until I was in those classes when when everybody everybody like understood a life on a certain level, not on a certain level, but in a certain perspective that I never saw. Um, I tried because I had this different perspective. And I'm telling you, sometimes professors were very nurturing and they wanted to hear more, especially my like media professors. They always wanted to hear more because that was more interesting than what the majority is doing because the majority might as well is looking the same. And so if you're if you have a different perspective, they love it and they want to hear more about it. But mm-hmm. most of the professors uh, kind of squished any any type of difference that they saw because they thought, mm-hmm. I'm just here to teach you. I'm not here to listen to whatever the hell you're talking about when it comes to life and, and where you grew up and what you went through. It's like all of the all of these like lines of of perspective that if if the people in front of you don't take the time to get to actually know you we'll never know there's a perspective of what asian is here in the u.s that doesn't exist anywhere else in the world like i grew up being asian like i'm asian as well (laughs) like saudi arabia is in asia 
And right. so it's it's funny how these these perspectives that are they're very stretchy. They're not they're not concrete at all, but we associate ourselves with them and we we conceptualize our entire life um, just upon them even though they're not they're not concrete, like they're not really real. You have an interesting story about yourself within your own community, within your cousins and your family, um, where you were one of the only women uh, in your family to get uh, a master's of fine arts. Um, Mm -hmm. Tell me a little bit more about that. Tell me your story about that. Yeah. So I I just graduated in Yay. May this year. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Um <clears throat> and it's um I I got my Masters of Fine Arts and I am the only female in my family line on both my mom and my dad's side of the family to ever get her master's degree. Mm. Um my I do have one aunt no, I have, I have one aunt, no, I have two, two aunts who have their bachelor's degree, um, but I am the first one to get her master's degree at the age of 25. The only other person in my entire family to ever get their master's degree is my dad, and he got his master's degree in computer science at the age of like 28, 29. Um, so I am one of the very first younger um, and the only female in my family to ever get, get her master's degree. Um, and it's, it feels great. I mean, it's <laughs> awesome. Like, yeah. but at the same time, I, I do notice that um, a lot of family members, and I'm not going to say who, a lot of family members um, are, I, get, I would say, fearful scared of me um and i don't know if it's you know if it's rooted in our culture and our history um but i i mean and i and i even talked to my mom about this too is um there's the, i guess the sm- air quotes the smarter you are and if and if you have your if you have a higher degree you're considered smart i guess you could say right and in, mm-hmm. in my culture at least so if you have your if you have a higher education you're considered more like book smart or like smarter or you have a more mm-hmm. advantage you know in career wise and and whatever so i i feel like a lot of um family members are fearful or they they just they they won't open up to me as much as they would when I was younger. Um, they would always ask me what I'm doing with my with my career, how mm-hmm. school is, and it's not like it, it. It'll be a genuine, um, you know, interest, but it's also more of like, oh, so how did you do in this class? But oh, isn't that class really hard for you? You know, stuff like that, and it's mm-hmm. mainly from men in my family um Mm. so it's just it's it's amazing it's awesome but at the same time it's also very very hard and it's very it's a struggle um so what what do women what would be a a kind of traditional route for you 
so a traditional route for a 25 year old female in my family you would probably have kids by now my mm-hmm. mom she had i mean she she met and married my dad at the age of 16 she had me a year later around mm-hmm. the age of 17 when she moved here to the united states and then she had my brother like a year later mm-hmm. and then she had two more kids after uh, after that so what she she came here at the age of 17 had me and then a couple years later she had like four kids so i'm pretty sure that I, at the age of like 21 22 she already had like four kids yeah and and that's she, pr- that's pretty common isn't it's it very very normal yeah. very normal and she's not the only one either i mean a lot of mm. my my aunts and my grandmothers and like they all i mean they tell me their stories all the time and they're always just you know they have tears in their eyes because they never had the chance to go to school they never had the chance Mm -hmm. to really discover what they're really passionate about you know career-wise or you know they never had the option to even discover who they are they're the only um the only source of survival for them was to be married off Mm. as i guess as a piece of object um to another family yeah to you know to make kids and so that you make you you make a lot of kids because where we come from you know where where my family comes from we are all farmers and so Mm -hmm. the more hands you have on the field the better it is right and so my family i have a huge family um (laughs) And most of us are men, and in, in Asian families, it's, you know, I guess, air quote, better to have, you know, male, more men in the family. Um, I am the oldest, and I am a female in my family, but I'm always just so grateful that my that my, my mom and my dad did not care, you know? Mm. They were like, you know what, like, okay, it would have been great that she was male, but you know we we don't really care um growing up i i always questioned um well not always but i did question whether if i like if things were different if i was male yeah. you know yeah like would i ha- would i have had more responsibilities would i have been less sheltered mm-hmm. um you know, it's just a lot of what ifs if I was male. Because as a female, growing up as a female, as the oldest female in the family, I had I was the experiment. I was always sheltered. I mm. was always seen as the vulnerable one. My mm-hmm. parents were they worried about me the most. And even till this day, like my I went home and my mom was like, you know, when 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 you were younger, your father and I worried about you the most yeah you know we we were so worried about your future what you would do without us when we when we're gone um if your brothers would take care of you it was always them worried about me then always mm-hmm. worrying about my future taking care of me how i would survive without them and yeah. i think that that's that's probably why i was able to get my mfa is using that as fuel you know like okay i have to prove to my dad that I 
that I'm worthy. I have to prove to them that I can survive without them. I can I can prove to them that I will survive without my brothers. I don't need them. I'm a strong, independent female. I don't need a man. I don't need to marry a mm-hmm. man to survive. I don't need I don't need this. I don't need that. I don't need anything. I can survive yeah. as myself as a strong, independent female. And I I think that that's who I've always wanted to be to prove to my mm-hmm. parents. Um, and to myself that, you know, let's break this norm of, you know, of what our culture has thought to be. And I am hoping that um, I can prove to other, you know, younger females and my cousins too that Mm -hmm. you can go to college. You can, you know, borrow a bunch of money to go to college it'll be worth it i promise it you know student debt yeah it sucks but you know you just gotta suck it up because you know that's one of the big fears that will just suck you back in into living the norm of a female um mong female in our in our family line like yeah, it's it, it's scary, but you just gotta do it because if you yeah. don't take that sacrifice, if you don't believe in yourself that you'll be able to pay it off, or you know you'll find a job after school, like you're gonna be stuck like everyone else. And I think that that was one of my biggest fears is I I didn't want to be like everyone else. I didn't want to be like a scared, vulnerable, you know, dependent woman and my family and I wanted yeah. to be different. I wanted to yeah. prove to my mom too because I mean I've I've my mom she she never had the chance to really discover who she is. I mean she sort of mm-hmm. did with my dad, you know. But I mean, who gets married at the age of 16 has four kids by the age yeah. of 20 and yeah. still figure out who you are like i'm exactly. 25 and i'm still trying to figure out who i am <laughs> yep pretty much yeah you I, know <laughs> i think i the fact that we are i think this is one of the the things that um when you i remember i remember i remember coming into the u.s and when when i would tell people that I went to class with um I would tell them that yeah my family you know my mom got married at 16 as well and they would always have that look of shock like what your mom didn't um didn't go to college and then met her soulmate there and then they had the 2.5 kids no (laughs) my mom did go to college but she went to college with six kids under her at the time and so and so I remember when you told me that um when you shared that your mom had gotten married so young and that you also um your your family even though you grew up here you had a very conservative family just like me I remember I was I didn't I didn't I guess I was shocked because you were literally one of the first people that I met that had a similar uh, family lineage that I had, where uh, all the women that are my age, that are in my family, you know, they're they're already married by now. They already have their kids. They already, you know, there's great-great-grandkids at this point. 
And I remember when you told me that I we we just clicked very quickly because we kept sharing stories about our families and what they had expected from us at this point in time just because well a we're women uh, and b we're getting older and um you know in saudi culture it's the same thing like if you hit 30 and you're not married with kids like oh my god you're you're a spinster at, the, at mm-hmm. that at yep. that time so I remember when we talked about those things and I, I just realized that it doesn't really matter where you grow up like if if your culture if your background is um I mean let's be honest here if it's a patriarchy if it's if it's based on the male dominance then then you'll always have that idea in the back of your head like oh what if i am supposed to be married at this time what if i am supposed to be um with kids at this time and not have um uh degrees like a degree is not does not matter as much as you know having a baby and so we all i feel like we all grew up with that idea but what are some of the ideas about male dominance and, and male superiority and the patriarchy that you kind of had to unlearn when you uh, grew up and, and kind of realized who your character was and what you wanted to do? Oof, that's a that's a really big question. I know. <laughs> Coming at you with the huge questions. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so... Like I said before, I I knew that I was um, a, a very strong-headed rebel in my mm-hmm. family. I was always very outspoken. For, for a shy, twig-like <laughs> little girl yeah. who's an introvert, I was very, very outspoken with my own opinions. And mm. I wasn't afraid to question um, male authority even my dad, especially my dad. And if you know me and my family, um, my dad is the only surviving son of my grandmother. Um, He lost, I think, two brothers and I think like three other sisters and his own father by the age of 18 um, because of the war. Mm. Um, So he came here with I, I think like five six sisters and his mother and so my dad is seen as this big male figure in our family he's like the leader the head of our family branch right and so my family is I mean like I, I, re- I remember going to to my aunt's houses and my cousin's would look at my dad with like oh my god this big powerful man is in the house and his kids are here you know so I I I always knew that I was different in that way and I always saw how my dad portrayed himself um even during like family gatherings and especially at home with 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 his kids my dad would always make sure that we were we had this he, he required us to have a certain knowledge or a certain type of mm-hmm. way about us as his kids. He would buy us textbooks and he would want us to know like all of these math equations and how to use them and you know he would buy us like Albert Einstein, Isaac Newton like biographies and we would know about like philosophy and all of these other things. So he had a lot of like uh, expectations and sometimes impossible expectations mm-hmm. of his children um, because of this 
and um, and he and in return he also required us to you know not speak back and that he was right all of the time mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. if you question him on it you're speaking back to him you know mm -hmm. and growing up I I, I saw all, all of this happening around me and I I, I remember questioning why mm -hmm. why why is my dad portrayed that way why are my my uncles even and my cousins why are they sometimes I guess you could say fearful of my dad not not fearful but they would they would speak and um, look at my dad a certain way mm -hmm. um, just because he's the father of the branch he's the head of yeah. the family right mm -hmm. um, so I I was like you know what I kind of want to test this out I kind of want to you know see how far my dad would go about you know protecting his image and being mm. this like almighty um you know figure in our family and i guess as his daughter i had i had the courage to do so i i would always you know during over dinner i would always question him i would always talk back and yeah i would get yelled at you know like stop mm -hmm. talking back to me or or if if he knew that i was you know if i was um attacking his his ideology a certain way and he knew that he was you know slipping and he knew that um mm -hmm. i i that he knew that i was right he would just you know change the subject or he'll be like stop talking back to me you know know your position in this family basically mm -hmm. um so i i grew up um like nurtured in in a certain way but i was always i hated it yeah. I respected it. I, I, I respected it, but I hated it. And a lot of that goes down to just the, the patriarchy of our culture. And I think that that's where me and my dad clash um, most of the time. Um, mm -hmm. And he's gotten better at it. He's gotten better at it. And I've gotten better at listening to him and trying to figure out where he's coming from. Because, you know, in our culture, it's just so deeply rooted that they can't get their heads, they can't wrap their heads around the fact that I'm just another human being who is genuinely interested in figuring out why you think that way. I, I'm not, I'm mm -hmm. not trying to disrespect you. I'm not trying to you know insult you or make you look like a fool in front of everyone i'm genuinely interested in mm -hmm. knowing what you're what's going on in your head i'm i'm genuinely curious as to why you think this way and a lot of it just goes down to like you know patriarchy in our family it's, it's just i always question my dad mm -hmm. on everything yeah. i always talked back at him i always debated him on his own ideologies i always had some sort of um factual evidence to back me up and that was how i was able to pull my dad to like you know like like look dad here's a reality check like just yeah. list out like yeah. all of these things and i'm like look i mean i i i sort of understand where you're coming from but it's just so, you're just so blinded by you know by your own pride and your own portrayal as this you know strong, as a strong male of the family exactly yeah. and that's all and i feel like you know back then that's all my dad really cared about is yeah. how much money he makes how almighty and powerful he is 
in our family um, and how much respect he gets. It all goes back to respect. And I was able to, you know, and, you know, I, I was punished. I was grounded so many times. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was, I was kicked out of the family. I was disowned for a whole year. I was basically yeah. homeless for a whole year because of this. But all of that was worth it because I challenged my dad and I talked back at him. And I never let that, you know, you know, mm-hmm. male patriarchy in our family. I never let that get to me. Yeah. I wanted I wanted to be of purpose. I wanted him to yeah. see me as another human, as another, you know, respectable. You can respect me too. Can I just expand on that idea of respect? You are only worthy of respect if you meet these particular uh, standards. Mm-hmm. And in patriarchal societies, the first set standard is for you to be male. Like you have to be male in order to yep. gain um, the 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 respect that you need and that you want. And so, I feel like growing up in in a society that's like that, within a family that firmly believes in that and that idealizes. The, the male figure and dismisses a lot of the times the female figure in the family, even though the female figure could be the, the, the hidden figure that's, that's moving the entire game most of the times. And so when, when we grow up in societies like that, we as women, we are always competing not only against life, we're not just trying to um, be better at life. No, we are literally growing up to combat these stereotypes. Uh, these these ideas that if you are if if you're female you have to earn your respect if you're male your respect is already earned from the moment you're born mm-hmm. yep. and so growing up in societies like that just puts so much weight on you as a woman and a lot of people would say oh no those these things don't exist well they don't exist because either you're male and you're listening to this or they don't exist in your eyes because you grew up privileged honestly because or you grew up in a matriarchal society then uh, let's all move there (laughs) because because these things exist these things are tangible things and all the stories that you're telling me right now just goes to prove those systems that are put up to really oppress an entire an entire gender of people women no matter how many degrees we get no matter how many accomplishments we get no matter how many um people clap for us and tell us we're doing a great job and tell us you are being a a maverick in your field you will always, in a, in a patriarchal society, they will always look at, is she married? <laughs> Does she have kids? Yep. She doesn't have kids? She's not married? I mean, 
at Catholic, I was the I was the president of the of the Saudi Student Association, and I was the first female president of the Saudi Student Student Association, and I was also, I I. I don't wear the headscarf. So I wasn't wearing the headscarf. So I was literally called a whore because of it. Mm-hmm. And men did not want to elect me because I was not married, because they thought that I was, um, quote, loose, end quote. And so these things, we have to fight, like, let alone, you know, you're going to college, you're paying all this money to go to college. You're, you, you are swamped with homework and relationships and, and going out and trying to have a social life. You're taking care of your skin and your hair and your body, but you're also fighting the patriarchy at the same time. Mm-hmm. And so all of these stories that you're telling me just, just honestly go, go to prove just that. Mm-hmm. As women in patriarchal societies, we are not only doing these things for ourselves we are not we don't have the privilege of just being an individual of just being just just existing just being there no we have to prove to um the men of the family that we're worthy of their respect like this idea of respect um we keep thinking that you know if we if we get a certain amount of degrees in our backpack um the society we'll will finally back. will finally put us at the same respect at the same level of respect that it gives its men but will it ever really because you mentioned to me before um what your mother had experienced in her life and what mm-hmm. she went through in her life can you share with me what her situation is now and what that had taught you as um as a woman first and foremost my mom has sacrificed and taught me so much um being married off at the age of 16 not figuring out who she is not even having the opportunity the chance to even figure out who she is you know she was just this this caretaker for my dad and a caretaker for her children her entire life is her husband and her children but who is she without us Mm. and I I I asked her this when I went home and I was like mom who are you without dad who are you without your children what are your hobbies what what do you do Mm. with us out of the equation and she has absolutely no no answer she doesn't know who she is without my dad. She ha- she doesn't know who she is without us. She doesn't even know the core of her identity is anymore. Because mm-hmm. everyone around her has sucked all of her identities out of her. They have used her in so many different ways for their own benefit. That my mom yeah. is now just this I guess that I guess carcass you could say. And mm-hmm. And I will use the word carcass because, and I love my mom, but she she doesn't even know who she is without us. I I, I wish that she could. I wish that she had the chance to to f- explore. I wish she had the chance to travel, like solo travel. I wish she had the chance to. 
go to college, you know, figure out what she what she likes, figure out what she doesn't like, figure out if she could debate on certain things, um, figure out what her voice will say. And it's been so, she's been pushed back so, so far deep that she can't even, she can't even see a light to climb to. Yeah. And... And I, but she I wasn't that, she wasn't always like that, right? Cuz you told she me was about never like this. Yeah, like growing up, what what did she share she wanted to do when she, when she was growing up? I yeah, and I I I asked her this too and I was like, "Mom, I mean, we have footage of my my dad has footage of you when he backpacked through China when he first met her." And I was like, "Mom, do you even realize who who this woman is anymore because you are not her?" you are a completely different person and she was like yeah i remember i mean before before then i would always pick fights with with boys in the classroom mm. and you know what like if you fought with the boy in class like that like oh my god like you do not do that like whatsoever like no. most girls would be scared to do that but my mom like she would you know if a guy you know like threw spitballs at her like she would lose her temper go to his desk and beat the crap out of him <laughs> leave him with the broken bloody nose and i mean this is a real story like my mom's yeah, told me this yeah. many many times and the fire the fight that she has in her she was a rebel gone. she was a rebel just like me and exactly. but the thing is what happened you know where did that go mm-hmm. and my mom had all of these dreams like she wanted to travel the world she she wanted to be a professional basketball player. Like, wow. can you imagine that? Like, my mom, this mm. shy, short, sweet mom, a professional basketball player. Mm. I can't see that. But the thing was, she played in um, on the professional women's basketball team in yeah. in middle and in high school, and she was amazing at it. You know, and she mm. loved it. It was it was liberating for her. She felt free. She it was a sport where she could express herself. It was her voice. Mm. She had fight. She had all of these things that she dreamed of, and it all just faded away. But you're you're helping her um, discover a little bit more about yeah, herself, I am. right? And. And it's just, yeah, I, I am because I'm, I see this and I'm just so, I feel selfish because I've taken so much from her. So I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure out um, if there's any hobbies that she likes. I'm trying to, you know, I'm throwing, you know, different arts and crafts at her um, to see if she can express herself again through art. I mean, I remember when I was little and she used to sing all the time and she would wake up, she would wake us up singing with her cassette Mm. player in the kitchen, cooking breakfast for us. And she doesn't do that anymore. So I was like, look, mom, like, if you don't want to sing in front of us, you know, you and I can go on a drive and we can just Mm. blast your music and you can sing at the top of your lungs. And if it's raining out and you don't want to do anything, we can just sit in and, you know, well, you know, paint something. Listen to music, paint something. And if you don't want to, then we can just, you know, mm-hmm. like take a walk somewhere, you know. Just escape a little bit. 
um, express yourself through art or sports or whatever it is to find that little piece of who you yeah. are again. The story of your mom is a story that is so common and it's everywhere and it's not a rare thing that never happens. It is found in literally every, um, I think, every, every spot on this planet. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, there's a lot of women who have experienced life uh, just being a caregiver and it has honestly sucked them dry. Um, and so I think what I see in you is that you have so much personality, you have so much character, and I think that only comes by because um, you grew up in a society that really tried to associate your character to a man and to kids and so i think women who really realize that and start um to go against that narrative i mean we're not here saying that um if you if you're a mother or a caregiver then you're wasting your life not at all we're just saying that there should be freedom of choice and freedom of uh, being able to decide what you like and how you like it and why you want to be in that situation because so many women are just just like your mom just like my mom are literally forced into it forced into the situation they did not make the choice to um to get married they didn't make the choice to have kids it wasn't their choice and so the freedom of having that choice uh, is is honestly first and foremost a privilege because if you grew up in a society where the closest people to you from your dad to your sister to your brother are all telling you the same thing and you still rebel and go against that, um, that in itself is privilege because not a lot of people have that strength. And I am so proud of you that you do have that strength. Um, I'm proud of a lot of the women that come out of um, societies that tell them that they are only associated with their husbands and their kids. And they go beyond that. They go above and beyond. Because when women go above and beyond, every, the entire uh, community changes for the better. Uh, I mean, look at you. I am positive that there are women in your family that see you as a role model and that you are not realizing that because they have, they are trying to, to, to come to terms with the fact that you had that strength to go beyond what society wanted you to be. And so if you were a male, you wouldn't have done that. Maybe you wouldn't have had that deep connection that you have with your mother because society was trying to put you in the same mold that she went through and now you're trying to help her get out of it. And so that is so important for us to, to keep doing as women. We have to really bring each other up. We have to hold each other's hands and, and kind of push our ideologies and thinking outside of what the patriarchy tells us to, that we should and we have to. And you know what's um, funny is that a lot of people might listen to this and say, oh, those things don't exist. While, 
Well, we have concrete stories of how um, uh, patriarchal systems have been detrimental to women's health, women's um, ability to prosper, women's ability to um, make money. Because at the end of the day, you will only be able to survive this life if you are independent. You will only be able to discover yourself if you are independent of anybody else. You don't necessarily need anybody else, but you choose to be with them. That's the only way for you to be, um, for you to be able to discover yourself. For you, for you to be able to have that privilege in order to discover yourself, your hobbies, what you like, what you don't like, and settle with a man that you believe is right for you and not necessarily just because society tells you to. I hope these stories can help women uh, understand that we should, we should stick together. <laughs> we really should stick together and understand that life is not, um, there are a lot of things that might come at you just because you're a woman. Yeah, and and you know what? My if my mom was here, she would say the same thing too. Mm-hmm. I mean, she she has told me. I I asked her why she married my dad at the age of sixteen, and I was like, you you could have gone to school, you could have done so many different things, and and she she said because it was the only source of survival that she had left at that time. Exactly, because. She had finished high school. She couldn't go to college because she couldn't afford it. Her family couldn't afford it in that part of mm. China. And the next thing that you had to do was to be married off. And and I asked her, and I was like, "But mom, you could have, you could have said no to not, you know, to marrying my dad. You could have gone to the city with whatever you had and just started from the ground mm. up, you know." pave that road for yourself build your own identity figure out who you are figure out what Mm -hmm. you're made of how far you can go Mm -hmm. and yeah it can be scary and it will be scary you will sacrifice so much but the thing is at the end of the day you're doing it for yourself you're not doing it for another man you're not doing it for your family you're not doing it for your future kids Mm but you're doing it for yourself. And you know what? Like if you do want to have a family in the future, you will have the choice yeah. of when and with who and you will have way more choices to to make than where yeah. you where yeah. you started, you and, know. And you bring you up yeah, and you bring up an excellent point about resources. Like mm-hmm. women need more resources in order to 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 be able to have the privilege of choice and i you can't really expect it from the system because mm-hmm. the system is benefiting from you um staying in and not not really um using up the resources that are meant for men and mm-hmm. so I think uh, as women, we have to make sure that other women have the resources that they need in order to um, have the privilege have the privilege of choice, really. And so I think that if your mom had had those resources to her, if she had um, um, a nonprofit there that was 
recruiting women in order to uh, give them an education at a lower price or something like that, she would have probably taken it. She would, yeah. Yeah, and so... What what are you what are you gonna do about it? Like you can't do anything about it if that's the only option that she had at the time, and mm-hmm. so there's a lot of women who are going through the same thing, right now, today. <laughs> Hundreds and thousands of women all over the yeah. country, if not millions, really millions mm-hmm. everywhere around the world. And you know what's funny is that, and I don't know about everyone else, but in my family the most successful ones who are paving their own roads for themselves now are the females in my family Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like the younger ones like Mm -hmm. they i mean i'm not saying that they're following in my footsteps and they're seeing that i can do it so they can do it too Mm -hmm. but they have gone to me for advice about you know how do you apply to college how how do you apply for student loans how do you Mm -hmm. do this how do you do that and then and they have all of these questions because their parents haven't gone to college yet, you know? Yeah. I've gone through it, so I can help them, you yeah. know. And you're being you're roles. being a role model. You are being a role model. You are being um, the the source of light that they can hold on to. And I think that's what is so powerful about your story is that you are a woman who who in a in a large family um, dare to be different. I, I guess to end with all of this, my only advice to to younger females who are fighting this um, this system is, you know, question everything, and yeah. I mean it. Question everything because yeah. where where you have grown up, you have it's it's conditioned in you yeah. to to be vulnerable to be a victim to mm-hmm. this this system so it's conditioned in you you will think that it's normal when it's yeah. not but you the first step is to look within you yeah. reflect on what's being said to you what actions are being done to you and question it you know if it feels wrong question it it's probably not right you know those are the very first steps to you building who you are figuring out what your voice stands for and who you stand for for your family for your sisters for your cousins for whoever it is Mm. that are who are younger than you they will also look up to you too um and i think it's the hardest part will definitely be family yeah because i mean that's your family and there will always be conflict if you if you question them especially on matters like this Mm. during the dinner table they look up to me and they ask me my own opinions and that's never been done before ever yeah yeah and all of that has come from me just building my own voice and having it heard and honestly that's a very strong voice it's a very very strong voice and i think i, I think so. i think it's so important um for women to have a strong voice because whatever you whatever you choose in your life if you want to be a career professional if you want to dedicate your life to your kids if you want to get married if you don't the most important thing is that you got to choose that at this point i say thank you so much sunshine i really appreciate <laughs> 
all the stories and all the, the just the bravery of um, you sharing those stories on this platform. And I really hope that people can listen to this and can uh, take something from it that uh, helps them in their life. Of course. Thank you for having me. Wow, that was really something. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Please give us your opinion about Harim Talk. We would love to hear from you, um, either through the Apple Podcast review or on our Instagram channel at Harim Talk. Uh, both the Instagram channel for the podcast and for Sunshine will be in the description below. Thank you again.